Careful, Jarvis. That's a 5,000-year-old sarcophagus. My word, Jarvis, bring over your lantern. Dear Lord, there's a podcast in here. Geekly Yoked is a proud member of the Crossover Nexus. To find more blogs and podcasts about the intersection of faith and pop culture, check out crossovernexus.com. Tell them Bilbo sent you. So many ways to say I love you in different languages across the land. You haven't heard them all, so I'll tell you as only a true geek can. Hello and welcome to Geekly Yoke, the world's best married Christian geek podcast. As always, I'm Lehman Kessler. And I'm Rachel Kessler. That's Mother Rachel Kessler. I'm a priest here in the Episcopal Diocese of Ohio and the chaplain at Kenyon College. I am an H.P. Lovecraft impersonator and stay-at-home dad. And we are back! We are back! Oh, right! I always forget my bit. Now that I have a second part of my title, I always forget my with a PhD in medieval literature, which makes me a giant nerd. And I'm a huge dork. These things happen. It's been a while. So it it's has o- been a while, It's friends. okay to forget. We will, um... <laughs> we, we are recycling our 5,000-year-old psychophagus gag uh, because there was also a giant gap between the last episode and the and one prior to that. The one we were planning to do that we never did? Well, see, the problem is, ladies and gentlemen, we had a move, which was a big thing of, its, of well, I mean, itself. Well, we had a move, like... The move is not what caused this delay. Well, I mean, the move the prolonged move was the delay. But we had a move. We had a big first, trip to Toronto. Well, first we had the beginnings of the sleep regression. But the sleep Then reg- we had the three weeks in Toronto. Then we had the move. The sleep regression is the big thing. Our darling daughter, whom we love. Light of our lives. Has robbed a precious hour and a half to two hours of evening time from it's us. It's true, by, dear listeners. By wanting our presence while she sleeps. Hold my hand. Uh, need Hold cuddle. Hand. One one minute. One minute cuddle. Five minutes cuddle. Five cuddles. Five cuddles. Needs five cuddles. Wrap me in blanket. <laughs> Ugh, this kid. Ugh, she needs love and affection and attention. It's the worst. So. What have you been up to? Uh, I went to Toronto and I moved house. Yay! And, uh, I don't know. I mean, life has progressed. We are very well ensconced here in Ohio. We are very much a part of the scene. We've enjoyed uh, the summertime here. We just came back from seeing a fine theatrical event. Beauty and the Beast? That's right. Broadway, Disney's Broadway Beauty and the Beast. I'm not sure about the possessive. Yeah, that's true. It is the the Broadway stage version, which includes all the songs I don't know. But that you used to listen to on my iPod. But I had no... When wandering around an empty church. But I had no idea what the context of them was. So I was like, you couldn't figure out the context of them? Well, like, I'll be human again, I guess. Okay. But like, the sort of like, like what's, what is home? This is home, you know, sort of stuff. La, that, la, la. I like that song. La, la, la. I like that song. So, I like, like that musical. Like, all of that... And the be- all, like all the beast songs. Well, that's because when you actually watch the movie, you realize that the beast does not sing. Uh, he sings the bit about her, her touching I know, he his sings paw. Like a slight, <laughs> he sings like one refrain <laughs> in one song, uh, and that is it. So they had to like really work, beef it up to like, oh, we have to get someone for this part, 
and we have to like give them something to see. We have Javert. We need to do something they with them. I so I saw. All right. So the context of this is that we saw the local Mount Vernon Arts. Yes. Mount M- Vernon, MTV Ohio, Arts. MTV Arts. Uh, of Mount Vernon, Ohio, doing Disney's Beauty and the Beast as their this big, afternoon, their, as their big summer musical. Not their, like, 10th anniversary, but their 10th year. Oh, okay. Because I think they did Beauty and the Beast as one of their first shows. Right. And, yeah, so this is their big... And, but I saw Beauty and the Beast on Broadway when I was, like, 12 years old. Dang. And uh, it was in previews. And I was going with my family... To see, well, we were, like, going to New York, like, a trip to New York, and uh, we were going to see the Phantom of the Opera, because my brother and I had both, like, discovered the Phantom of the Opera music. It was, like, the, like, the Phantom of the Opera was the first big Broadway musical. The original Gaston. Yes, indeed. Um, and, although there isn't anyone named Gaston in the musical. I would say Gaston LaRue. Uh, I know that, yes. Wrote it. Yes. Uh, so we were going there for that, and then they thought, well, we're going to brought to New York for a couple of days. We should see another show too. And my family's all Disney fanatics, and oh, this this there's a stage production of Beauty and the Beast that's in previews. So let's go see that. And we got to see it with the original cast, which included uh uh that dad from Happy Days, okay, Tom Bosley (laughs) as Belle's father. And uh, it included uh, Terrence Mann, yeah, uh, as the Beast, and he was also the original, like, Rum Tum Tugger in Cats, and the original Javert in Les Mis. There we go. And I feel like he was something else, too, fairly significant. But it's just, so, there you go. See, the, the... Big stars I've seen in various musicals was when I got to see Robert Goulet uh, in Man of La Mancha. And the original neighbor, I think Darcy from Married with Children in a production of Guys and Dolls. Right. That is it. (laughs) That's pretty good. I guess. Tennessee, the Tennessee well, I mean, Performing Arts Center see, did not really I, draw. I also got to see uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, Greg Brady as uh, as Captain Von Trapp. Were you with me for that? No, I have not seen you did any not see, live. You've never seen The Sound of Music live? No. How have you, like, avoided this in your theatrical life? Uh, I guess just decent living. That's strange. Anyway, so I saw Greg Brady. Nice. Yeah. I saw, like, the fourth generation like, of Reduce Shakespeare Company people. I feel like people. I saw... I feel like I saw... Ro- Which one was the original Lancelot on Broadway? Was it Robert Goulet who was the original Lancelot? I feel like I saw a production of Camelot where the guy who originated Lancelot came back and played King Arthur, and it was kind of... Oh, okay. ...poignant and sad. I, I, I thought you were going to say, replay Lancelot. I was like, ooh, that's going to be No, no, it was like gross. the original Lancelot was came back Arthur. and played Arthur. And okay, I could like see weird. I could see Goulet doing that. I, I, yeah. It may be Goulet, it may be... I just remember, like, all... It was when I was in high school, and it was in Charleston, and all of, like, the Charleston press was making such a big deal, and I think it was Robert Goulet, and it was sort of like, okay... There you go. I saw, oh man, I remember. So we saw a lot of theater in London, right. like you do. And I saw the saddest Les Mis. And I was so excited. I was Probably take- not as sad as our sad uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Well, that was sad too. But like, I was taking my friend to see Les Mis, like the Les Mis right. that had been playing, on the West End, yeah. you know, for a thousand years. And, you know, my friend knew nothing about Les Mis. And I was really excited to share this with him. 
And it was, I think, like the first night with their brand new Jean Valjean. And he made the creative decision to sing all the songs at about a time and a half speed. <laughs> so they were incomprehensible. Just, what have I done? Yeah. Jesus, what have I done? dance. You know, just everything <laughs> was so fast. And like, you could see the orchestra racing. Well, and hopefully things are better for Javelton. Let us hope. Uh, but our sad story, I'm sure we have told the story on this podcast before about the sad Fiddler on the Roof in Oxford. It, it was pretty, pretty it depressing. It is uh, proof positive of why the British should never be allowed to do that play again. Well, there there, I'm, there are British Jewish actors out there. They exist. Sure. But this, they were, they were nowhere near this production. <laughs> this was... If I were a rich man diddle deedle diddle deedle diddle deedle deedle fiddle on the roof sounds strange Jean, no Jean Valtevia yeah Jean Valtevia is definitely what that guy was yeah there's a lot there's <laughs> a lot of blonde Russian Jews apparently <laughs> that that didn't work no so uh but uh speaking of Broadway shows and speaking of original casts we have touched on this subject before we touched on it a lot in our really perhaps overly heavy uh, episode on diversity and race, but now that we talk about Hamilton, yes, oh yes, oh good for us, yeah. Uh, and but we we wanted to really weigh into it now that we've had a few months of listening to it nonstop. Well, you see, nonstop. Yes, yes. Uh, you see that the original cast album for Hamilton is exactly the length of a drive to Cleveland, so it just makes for very handy. Like, you just want to sit down and listen to the whole soundtrack because you can't just listen to part of Hamilton. And what you especially you can't, can't do, do is listen to it on random. We we drove to Toronto, and at one point, Rachel put on Hamilton, and she had it on shuffle. And it was a nightmare. <laughs> because you don't realize how the songs are cut up. Like, there's some, like, just songs that sound like one giant song, but are actually, like, three pieces kind of yeah. put together. And so when those are all like out of whack and out of order and you've got Winter's Ball going straight into Dear Theodosia, going into like the guns cabinet meeting, going into Guns and Ships, <laughs> it just, it, it suddenly, you know, you realize, oh, this could be an interesting AP history test where you present you students. You have to put these things together. You present students with a shuffled up Hamilton and they have to put it back in order. With, with like the broader historical context that's going on around it. Cause yeah, so so yeah, we talked a bit about Hamilton and talked about its its uh, kind of mixed race casting. Any uh, AP US history teachers out there that are listening to this, feel free to steal our ideas. Precisely, but yeah, now we've really listened to it. I think by the time we recorded about it last time, I had only listened to about the first two thirds. Okay, you didn't realize there was a third King George song. I did not know there was a third King George song, which absolutely upset me because I I need to know as much King George as I can, and. And yeah, this is a this is an important cultural movement, and I feel like it it, it merits its own episode. Not not too well. We just have too much to say about it. We have a lot to say about it, and while we enjoyed the uh, Mount Vernon production of Beauty and the Beast, I think you know it, it, it was very nice. It was very fun, and the best part about it was at the very end when Belle came back uh, for her final flourish, and the small child, possibly even Amanda, aged behind us, shouted gleefully, "Jasmine!" That was pretty great. That was pretty awesome. Uh, so that was fine. That's our review for that. But Hamilton, where do we even start with this? Let's start with when we were on the road to Cleveland 
and we were listening to Hamilton, and you turned to me and you said, this is my America. And this is what we dis- discussed in the previous episode. Did we? Oh, good so, for us. I'm sorry. That's fine. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been possibly four to five months. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, this this, this idea- Well, expound on it now that you've actually seen the whole so, thing. So yeah, so this, this idea of this being my America, this being a look at America that does not just have the, you know- Waving flag, rah, rah, we were the shining city on a hill, and then everything went bad once we let, you know, women and minorities vote. Uh, Like, that just kind of really super draped patriotism uh, that lacks a lot of nuance. Well, uncritical patriotism, right? Yeah, precisely. Patriotism that that says you can only have patriotism if you don't ask any questions or or if or patriotism that assumes that the things i like about america are the patriotic parts and the things i don't like about america are the bad parts and not america is this complex mess yeah that is of both good and bad and it's really amazing that you know we have this country that was built on ideals about like mankind and reason and our relationship with power and and the people but also was one that was heavily entrenched in human slavery and chattel slavery and, you know, <laughs> mentioned as one of the causes for the, uh, for uh, independence, the, the, you know, the British unleashing the savage Indian, you know, to lay, to, to lay lawless waste against us. You know, there is this darkness that's, that's and a, a sickness. And, you know, we've seen all the tensions that, have been erupting in recent days, weeks, months, years, decades. I mean, you know, like the stuff doesn't go away because it's so built in, but there is still this amazing promise of America and Hamilton doesn't shy away from that. You know, I think what's something that's very, very telling is the fact that Lin-Man Miranda has a background in education. Mm. Uh, I listened to, I listened to a a couple of of fun interviews with him, uh, largely from the McElroy family. Uh, But he was on, uh, so he was on, uh, my brother, my brother, and me, the podcast a while back before Hamilton came out, and talking about doing Into the Heights and talking about being a yeah. teacher and and like talking about the awkwardness of having come up with Into the Heights and then seeing these incredibly white schools doing productions of it. Right. Um, and then he was also on a really fun show called Still Buffering, which is t- uh, three sisters, one teenaged and two that are in their like twenties and thirties talking about what it's like to be a teenager. And they interviewed Lin-Manuel Miranda to talk about being a theater kid and being like doing theater in high school. And that was a really powerful, like I just, I hadn't heard the high school theater kind of background discussed in such depth and in such kind of, uh, I don't know, powerful resonating emotion. Yeah. (laughs) And, and so the fact that, that that Miranda is an educator and has this education background, I think is important because this is a very educational like show. Like there is a lot of history, there's a lot of fact, there's a lot of information that is buried in incredibly dense, fast language and imparted in a really creative way. And so I appreciate that. I appreciate that attempt to to teach America, but to teach America with an open with uh, uh, an open eye and you know a clear heart or whatever the the Friday night lights bright eyes big mouths can't lose anyway that's my take I, I feel like it manages to both be open and critical of what America is but still have this sense of heart and belief in what America is trying to well, be well I guess do. my uh, my more cynical views about America what I sort of appreciate about I think one of my favorite lines 
in the musical is at the end when, uh, in his like death monologue that Hamilton is, uh, he uses the line America, that great unfinished symphony. Mm. And that even in this era of the founding fathers in these early days that certain factions of our country like to hearken back toward, uh, America was still unfinished. America was not, there was never an America as a static thing. And what I find fascinating is there, if one wants to read Hamilton more cynically, as I am sometimes inclined to do, George Washington, or uh, King George's taunt at America is never answered. Yeah. Right? So America wins the war, they declare their independence, and... King George has his one song that's basically, you know, you're on your own now. Uh, you're on your own. Awesome. Wow. Do you have a clue what happens now? And the rest of the musical is them trying to figure that out. And there's not a really clear answer to that question. There is no, there is no forged path about what they are meant to do. And they're muddling through trying to find it for themselves. And then in once George Washington steps down... And uh, King George has his his final song, the one you didn't know existed, about, you know... Um, John Adams. John Adams, right? That's that little man who came and spoke to me. Uh, and he and he basically goes that, you know, that poor man, they're going to eat him alive. And he's right. <laughs> and he's right. And King George tootles away laughing. And he never really gets answered, right? I mean, the... That is the down, like the, the second act is a bit of a downfall. And and so there is this sense of America was never finished. America was never great. There was never a point at which we all got it. Yeah. There was no mythical era of the founding fathers to hearken back toward because they didn't have it figured out. And we have been muddling along ever since. And I just, that resonates with me i think the other line that it kind of took me it kind of took me a while to figure out what this line meant but it's and this is this is much earlier in the show this is uh during the song my shot when he says um it's not the moment it's the movement and i'm like yeah that's right america's not a moment it's not about finding that moment when the greatness of america was achieved it's in the movement it's in america being young scrappy and hungry it's in america striving for that greatness and working towards this ideal and it is in fact about about progress and about searching for something and the whole idea i'm going to get really political now sorry guys that's fine the whole idea of make America great again betrays exactly what was ever great about America. Because what was great about America was not looking back at something. It was not being static. Like, um, in the bootlegged versions of the staged Hamilton footage that I have watched. Tisk, tisk. Um, we here at Geek Willie Oak do not uh, condone <laughs> such activities. Uh, you know, you see... Just when King George, you know, um, Hamilton has been doing all of his rapping and all of his hip hop. And uh, that's the language of revolution. And that which it becomes really clear when uh, Hamilton is going against Samuel Seabury, (laughs) which, you know, that's the representation for the Episcopal Church. That's what we get in Hamilton. We get Samuel Seabury. 
decrying the revolutionaries. But you hear that because he's, you know, heed not the rabble who scream revolution. All right, we already had the conversation. We had the conversation. You got to really be. I'm going to be timing these. That's that was short enough. I know we have. That was fair use. We all have. We all have hamilaria. (laughs) Anyway. But then uh, King George comes out and he's, you know, in a, he's in a crown and... Um, Fancy shoes. Uh, Groff sauce, as apparently the internet calls him, <laughs> has talked about how he was meant to be like slow and static. And that's what the, the king was supposed to represent, right? Stasis and stillness and tradition. So, yeah, if, if what we're trying to do is look backwards at some mythically great America we've already lost. And I agree with that, right? And I think the and I think the show definitely agrees with that and plays with this idea of there's still more to do. And there's still like the no one's job is done, right? You know, Hamilton, you know, Hamilton gets you know, gets his group of gets his exactly four friends, yes. uses uses that to, you know, get onto Washington's uh, staff and is, st- you know, once more and once more and once more. He wants command. Once he has command, you know, he wants to win. Once they win the war, there's still more to do. There's yeah. still the Constitution to come up with. There's still his plan for consolidating state debts. And how 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 this this musical manages to make, you know, the... Uh, establishment create, of a national bank? The establishment of, like, a national bank, a fiscal military state. Uh, as someone pointed out, I think uh, our good friend Carlos pointed out, you know, Hamilton manages to make nothing sound sexier and more awesome than writing essays. <laughs> when, you know, when Burr, like, yeah. shouts about, like, you know... And Hamilton wrote the other 51! Yeah, like... <laughs> Talking about the Federalist Papers, like, that's... That's the moment. Yeah. Um, but, there, yeah, this 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 the notion of hunger and this... And, and, and the ambition of America paired to the ambition of one of its it you know central figures i feel like that's something we've looked at or has been studied and explored yeah um, and and the i guess the big thing the big few things you compare that you can compare this to are 1776 like it welcomes those comparisons yeah. i think miranda sort of asks for those comparisons but also i think about because i love it so much the, the john, john adams miniseries well i think it does that that thing by taking one of the less known lesser known founding fathers and looking at their particular story well and, and using yeah. them as a as the lens through which you see the complexities in the founding of america well and, and some of my friends were were doing something very fun and talking about the kind of popularity of founding fathers Almost like stock prices, and when mm. did we when did we hit peak Washington? And like when yeah. did like when did uh, Jefferson shares sort of hit like a plateau and have been like you know crashing ever since? Aww. Uh, well, oh yes, um, and it's true though, right? Like I think there was a point you know where Jefferson was the man, and everyone always wanted to like go back to Jefferson as like this great inventor, yeah, and this great writer, and then people are like, oh, but he's also kind of this you know, rapist, child molesting, like, slave owner, (laughs) you know, like, and that is, you you can say man of his time all you want, but even he, at, in his time, sort of, you know, it was pretty bad, recognized uh, what was going on as problematic, and, and yeah, and it's hard to, to kind of square that, you know, we, we saw here at Kenyon, a free man of color, and that, unapologetically portrays Jefferson as just a scumbag, as just this opportunistic, you know, sort of meddling politician who is willing to sell out every good quality uh, for expedience. 
Uh, and so, and Washington, likewise, Washington, uh, I think, kind of hit a, a peak. I mean, I think there's still a certain amount of myth-making that takes place. Uh, but what Miranda does a great job of highlighting is Washington's... Stepping down. Stepping down. And, like, like, and it's funny. The best uh, thing he did was give up his power. So, yes, there's a... Um, there's a sort of sort of comedic uh, song, like freestyle rap show. Yeah. It's on the CISO network. Uh, and they have a bunch of clips of, of various songs. And one of them is uh, is of Lin-Manuel Miranda. And someone asks, like, for someone to rap about George Washington and the cherry tree. Wow. And Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, busts into this rap about how, like, it's all BS and Washington was terrible and he started the French-Indian War and like the only the only really great thing he did was not seek a third term. Yeah. And was to give up a monumental amount of power and a unspecified amount of power, mm-hmm. right? By leaving by stepping down from the presidency, he forever weakened the presidency, yeah. which is good. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like I mean, uh, that that is that is allows us to have a a system that for all of its flaws is incredibly power vacuum free. Yeah. Right? Like you can have a big man step up. You have a Nixon, you know, resign or a Lincoln shot and there are repercussions but you don't have civil war. Yeah. You don't have like just massive, you know, violence in the streets or or what we you know, what we sort of saw in the Arab Spring. You don't see just this level of of fighting in it to fulfill a to fill a vacuum and that's that's a big thing right i mean that's like one of the uh, america's greatest strengths is uh how we are very resilient against that problem that plagues almost every other country and uh yay democracy or republic whatever please don't send us letters we'll send us letters because we don't hear from people uh and i think that's right representative democracy uh and I think that's, I don't know, I feel like that's really a really important thing. Uh, and I like, and, I, and again, it shows Miranda's thinking and Miranda's, like, you know, kind of how he's playing with these themes. And now looking at people that have not been looked at before. You know, having people think about Hamilton at beyond the dude on the tin. Yeah. And and trivia questions about was he a president or not. And Aaron Burr. And, and, and got milk, got milk commercials about Aaron Burr. I got milk commercials that they and, remade. Let's just see. Like, I feel like who of our generation only knew about Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr because of got milk commercials. Could Aaron Burr be the narrator of this musical if it were not for that got milk commercial? It's true. I'm just going to throw that out there. Well, and they made, they, they got, uh, I know they got Leslie Odom Jr. to remake that commercial <laughs> and it's amazing. But I, like, I just think it's funny because would you have people in their 30s or their 20s who would go, oh, all right, it's now it's a musical about Alexander Hamilton narrated by Aaron Burr, and that makes sense because we grew up <laughs> with a board. stupid commercial about a guy directed by Michael Bay. Michael Bay directed that commercial, people. This is not a lie. 100% true. Go back and watch it. It's weirdly epic. Uh, yeah. Well, and and I think I think that again speaks to Miranda and the creators of the show. I don't want to. It, it is a somewhat collaborative affair, so I don't want to completely look, mm-hmm. you know, disregard everyone else. But it, again, he's very pop culturally aware. The music is yeah. very not just. It's not just hip hop, right? It, it you know it 
mirrors and pastiches a lot of different styles yep. and plays with them in very, very aware ways. And, and it's, it's, again, it's just, it's fantastic. Well, and, it manages and, to do that very rare thing of being clever and important. Yeah. And I'm very eager to see how it ages. Oh, yeah. Because, again, some of his musical stylings is like 20, 30 years old at this point. Right. So it's not like it's, oh, this is so 2015. Yeah. Um, but in a way, it is also sort of 2015. Uh, Even the Beyonce stuff is more like Destiny's Child Beyonce than yeah, very like true. today Beyonce. Um, another show I hear it compared to is Camelot, and, think, and people oh, thinking okay. about because as which we discussed earlier. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of fo- a lot of folks will say you know Camelot was sort of a, a look back on the Kennedy administration and mm-hmm. kind of talking about this idea of, of heightened ideals and shattered expectations, and people have likewise talked about Hamilton as a kind of commentary on a, the Obama presidency. Yeah, or or a weird homage to the Obama presidency. You know, like the very first iteration of Hamilton was in 2009 mm. when he showed up at the White House because of his work in, in the height in, and instead of singing from that he sang the what would become the the first song in um, in Hamilton and that and then seven years later yeah we got the show but like you know it, it the show perfectly matches Obama's. The, the Obama's administration yeah. and it speaks to these questions of you know how do you govern and you know, well, how do you make choices, and what do we what do we want our identity to be as a country? Yeah, and I think do, it's I think it's a fundamental thing. No, that, and partisanship. Oh yes. Well, I, I was talking to someone who said they had that you know this election was giving them you know sort of hives and great despair until they kind of went back and looked at every other election <laughs> and, yeah. and inclu- you know going back even to you know the the Jefferson Adams election yeah and they were just as vile and violent and you know <laughs> Jefferson I think referring to Adams at one point as some like half formed hermaphrodite or something like that wow <laughs> you know so it's great it's it's always been wonderful. America is is great, you know, <laughs> and, and always has been when it comes to terrible, terrible yeah. political ads. So what are some of your favorite parts about Hamilton? We've kind of done big picture. Let's let's pull it apart. Do we want to do like a top three songs? Ooh, OK. Uh, we don't prepare for this podcast, as I think, you know. So should we just start at sure. number? Should we do our number three? Or how about we just say hit? three of our favorite okay. songs? Okay, all right. So you go first. All right. So I think one that I come back to again and again and again, and because I'm a huge sap, is Dear Theodosia. Mm. And it is it is a song that speaks both to my sort of sappy, you know, sense of as a father of like what I hope for my child but also this deeply disturbing sort of ironical part of myself because it's both of their children and that being sung to in that song like suffered Die horrible fates. Dust, yeah. <laughs> um, but there, is, there is, I mean, uh, Miranda is himself a father and I'm always reminded like it is, it is not the kind of song I feel could have been written by someone who does not know what it's like to be a parent. Yeah. Um, thinking about your children and their future and what you, and, and what you do having ramifications whether it's you know the fact that you gave them the wrong type of milk and now they'll never get into the correct prep school um (laughs) or just like what is happening in your country and what sort of country are you building uh and helping to build or allowing to be built um i don't know this is this is a very politically fraught time and it's where we're you know it's it's right as we're coming back to america (laughs) and 
I think that has heightened our sense of being in America and being part of, you know, this this particular part of history. And so, yeah, the song really resonates with me. You know, I, I, I think about it. I sing it. Um, and I think about Amanda. And I try to imagine what sort of world is she going to grow up in. And then I think about, like, you know, what, you know, what were my parents have been thinking about the world I was going to grow up in, right? I was born in 82. You know, uh, it was the early Reagan years. So my parents probably were not super, you know, pumped about that. But they were also in West Africa. So it was a very, you know, very, it was a very different time and place. And there's no real way of seeing kind of where things would go. Uh, so likewise, I'm curious, especially now that we're in America, uh, because when you're in Canada, you get to borrow that that staid traditional stasis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that's that's the that's a thing a monarchy gives you. You know, is, is you can just call upon that 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 polite history uh, of barbarism. Uh, so I don't know that that that's a song that I definitely go to again and again, and, mm-hmm. and find myself not just playing but but like singing. Okay. Oh, we're going in order here. Uh, I feel like I kind of have to say my shot. Yeah. I mean, you just you can't. It's just, it's brilliant. And it, it packs so much in. And it's, uh, that's the one that I remember catching me on the first, the first time through. And just, I mean, well, it's early in the show, but it's also like, oh, there's something really going on here. And I mean, that line, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy and hungry. That it just, it, yeah, okay. I'm on board. I'm on board and, you know, it it manages to do the rap thing while also managing to somehow blend that with really conventional, almost musical... Uh, what have you? S- sound. <laughs> um, yeah. I think echoing some of the themes I've talked about already, One Last Time mm-hmm. also really speaks to me. Uh, and it feels like a very important song, you know. Th- this is this is a I mu- used one last time for my Ascension Day sermon. There you go. It, you know, this Miranda is not really myth making in this. You know, he is he has definitely he has made a very human musical, and he has tried to humanize as much as possible and make relevant as much as possible. But if he comes close to myth making or at least extending a certain amount of mythology, it is it is here. You know, there is a kind of uh, redemption of Washington in this song, which also is very human. Relax, have a drink with me. Maybe the yeah. best part of the song. Right. I mean, you know, every man shall you sit know, under set his, his own fig tree, tree. which uh, was not Miranda. He did not that know. That was Christopher Jackson, right? Jackson, yeah. He came up with that part because, uh, yeah, Miranda was unaware of that particular. But, but, the, but the I want to sit under my own tree, a moment alone in the shade. It's very... <laughs> It's very powerful, and yeah. and at at home in this country we've made. Yeah, there's something really important about that, and I think, and I think it again, it speaks to that that what is great about America, uh, that that I love, and what is what is truly worth celebrating, uh, in the midst of all the awful, in the midst of all the just the terribleness and the injustice, there are these true moments of power, um. These these kind of uh, you know lodestones, and I think this is this is one of them. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's really good. Yeah, life doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. Yeah, it takes and it takes and it takes, and we keep living anyway. Yeah. 
we rise and we fall and we break and we make our mistake. Like it's just there. I mean, not only is it lyrically beautiful, it's just rhythmically. It's the that 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 there's this like there's just a way those words and those beats come. I'm an original. I am. Inimitable. I am the original. I am inimitable. It's um that it's it is the song where there's just so much passion behind it and and i think this is one of these ones that's married to the performer right that i that that leslie odom jr packs so much so if you're not maybe hamilton fanatics is we um so wait for it is uh aaron burr's i want song (laughs) well yeah actually what i think is very telling about aaron burr's character is that aaron burr's i want song doesn't come until well into the second act and it's I not, mean, it's not. And it's not a super like it's not historically charged, right? Like it's not like here is a bunch of historical information I need to give you. You learn a bit about his grandfather. Yeah, who was apparently Jonathan Edwards. And a bit when about, he talks about like my grandfather was a fire and brimstone preacher. That's Jonathan Edwards. That's the guy who talks to dead people on the television. No, that's the guy who talks about like eternity is. Imagine a, a like dove flying past a mountain and it scrapes off. A, a bit of the mountain every time and and the a degree to which it would take the dove's wing to like destroy the mountain is only like the smallest inkling of eternity so get saved turn or burn oh nice yeah um i'm sure you read him in english class this is not crossing over with jonathan edwards no because that guy talks to ghosts and probably has <laughs> thoughts about doves no okay um yeah, so it's not it's not hugely historically charged, and and like I said, it's not even his "I want" song. Like Aaron Burr, you don't find out what he really wants until like halfway through Act Two. Room where it happens. Or, yeah, the room where it happens. Uh, this is this is like the song that's explaining why he's not acting on anything. Yeah, this is the song that's that's just his soul and all of the all of the 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 conflicting emotions wrestling around inside of him and why he's not acting and everything that he's feeling about the world and everything that he's lost. In the, in the parallel to one of the other fine uh, musicals of uh, our previous generations in the Jesus Christ superstar of this, (laughs) of this play, you know, this, this, it's interesting how they have him as kind of the Judas, you know, the, right. the Judas narrator, the traitor narrator. Um, and and yet, yeah, again, it's it's very different. It is not just this like, oh, everything's going wrong and I need to do something about it. It yeah. is this just like, this is who I am. And there's a there is a raw emotional just need in it that's beautiful and i i this is the one that i just i wonder how someone else would play this role because i think what leslie odom jr has been brilliant about is just his control and it is a song about control i i heard i read one um article comparing wait for it to my shot right my shot is is hamilton's song and it builds up to this just frenzy and and he has everyone in chorus with him by the end of it and he has rallied his group his exactly four friends his exactly four friends <laughs> sorry there's this like hamilton on twitter thing that was going around at one point text it was from like hamilton. it was text from hamilton and uh at one point it was i have exactly four friends oh george washington 
Hamilton, you sexy beast. <laughs> Come save the day with me. Um, but uh, but in, in in response to that, you know, uh, Aaron Burr does he he comes to this really emotional crescendo and then pulls back from it. Yeah. Right. And the song ends in so much quiet. But that's that's one that I just go back and listen to over and over and over and over again. I feel like can, can I can I do a tie for second place? <laughs> uh, uh, sure, but you have to talk about it now. Uh, burn. Uh, okay, you know what? But they're those are connected. They are. They are. Yeah. Because so let's talk about burn. Well, I mean, it's just it's again, it's it's a very introspective song, and it's well, I mean, I was talking to another. Uh, hi, Rachel and Tom out there. I was um talking to our friends the Colars about this. Uh, how what's fascinating about Aaron Burr is though he is. I mean, he won best, Leslie Odom Jr. won best actor, right? He is the driving force of the narrative, and yet he's kind of outside of it. I mean, Aaron Burr does not interact with too many people. No. In the show, at least not until, like, the second half of the second act, when he finally starts acting with Madison and Jefferson. He sort of half flirts with one of the Skylers. He, like, half flirts with Angelica. And, I mean, he's really watching from the outside, which is what makes Wait For It so powerful. Yeah. Um, that this is, this is like, he's been watching and not really involved and you're, you find out why. And I think Burn is amazing because it's, it's Eliza who has been, uh, Alexander's wife, who's just been begging for his attention and you finally just get her breaking point when she finds out, finds out about his affair. And the line that I love is when she's talking about her letter, she's reading Alexander's letters and she's reading what he wrote and published about his affair. And, um, she has a, a line where it's just, um, you're consumed with how they perceive you. And then she just goes, you, 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 you. Yeah. And it's, and it gets, like, well, and it gets like ugly. And yeah. Like, like, almost yeah. like a sort of like, it's accusatory. W- it's, well, like a warping. Yeah. Record. Yeah. Um, anyway, and open flames on the stage, you know, Good stuff. Indeed. Uh, I am going to smash a bunch together because they are three songs, but it's all the same. And so my favorite is, of course, uh, the King George song. Because oh, they're what made me fall in love with this musical. Because I was listening to it. I was driving. I was like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah, this is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, my shot. Yeah, that's kind of catchy. And then I was like, whoa, <laughs> what am I listening to? This is amazing. <laughs> this is so white. And then... As a white dude, I I can I can I need something that I can relate to <laughs> That's in this right. musical. Where am I going to find something for me? Uh, and it's ridiculous. And it's like, does this even belong in this show? Like, what is going on here? And but it's pitch perfect because, as you pointed out, it is this like weird, weird throwback. Like, yeah, and pushback against what's going on, and it's obnoxious and it's catchy. And it's, it's, you know, it is the, you know, so you are the Christ. You're yeah. the great Jesus Christ. You know, it's... Can we afford Andrew Lloyd Webber? Uh, probably not. Uh, <laughs> I figure if we just, you know, sing from, like, different artists, okay. uh, we're, we're doing okay. Uh, but it's that, right? It's like, it's this ridiculous Herod, you know, bit that keeps sort of popping up again and again in a wonderful way. And, yeah, it's so much fun. And it is it's yeah it's it's absolutely just a blast to listen to and and it and it shows like how Miranda is able to play with multiple styles and keep you on your feet 
Yeah. You know, this is this is a musical that goes through a lot of a lot of moods, which is why listening to it on shuffle is the worst. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's really good. And I realize, and none of these songs have I have I picked a David Diggs song, and I feel bad because I feel like David Diggs is my favorite part of this musical. <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing: is it about the like the songs itself or the whole? Then that's yeah. why it's like it's so you can't listen to it on. Shuffle. shuffle because it's about listening. <laughs> you just have to sit down and spend two hours of your life listening to the whole thing because you can't just pick out part of it. And then d- do that again until you die. <laughs> it is true to be digs. I mean, but that's like Washington on your side is pretty great. Yeah, nice must be nice. Must be nice. Maybe Oof. we'll do honorable mentions. Can you pick my favorite? <laughs> Can I pick your favorite? Can you predict my favorite? Oh, um, hmm. Because every time we listen, you're like, oh, I, this this is I my have favorite, a new favorite song. Oh, oh, you know what? No, no, this is it, it's it's sort of the it's like watching Arrested Development season one and trying to figure out which is the bad episode, and you're like, but oh, but this but this episode has this bit. And don't eat the pigeon, you know, like. <laughs> I don't know what I expected. <laughs> Sorry. Um. So, hmm, I feel like. I feel like theologically, it's quiet uptown. Yay! Is one. Oh, okay. Did I pick it? Yes. Okay, I wasn't sure if that was gonna be like the Sunday school answer. And <laughs> no, I just I love it so much, and it makes me cry if I even think about it. <laughs> I, I I thought that's uh, <laughs> blow us all away. Well, that too. Yeah. Um, I basically can't listen to the soundtrack after <laughs> uh, the Reynolds pamphlet <laughs> because then I just cry until the end. Yes. Um. So I just, I sometimes reach a point where I'm just like, and now I can't, I'm just, I'm done. There you go. But I do love It's Quiet Uptown. It's a good song. And it's, it is one of those things that like it could, it, it, it covers a lot of narrative. Yeah. Um, just in terms of, you know, they, they've, the Hamiltons have lost their son and they are estranged from one another. And you begin in this place of just profound grief. And I mean, the, the um, there are moments that the words uh, can't touch um you hold your child as tight as you can and push away the unimaginable and like that's yeah and and there's just moments in it right of uh i take the children to church on sunday uh the sign of the cross at the door and i pray that never used to happen before yeah um and then the the ending that there are moments that the words don't reach there's a grace too powerful to name um, forgiveness can you and just this this idea of the incomprehensible nature of grace and forgiveness and and humanity and it's it's such an intimate song in the context of this huge like national nation building mythical narrative that's just beautifully sung well this this musical does this musical does what I think we love in a lot of different genres which is the mixing of the large scale concept with the Human. intimately personal yeah. right like it's the stuff the stuff that we like in the Bible is where it is like grand like history of you know salvation and then like single family you know right. poor woman crying at the temple yeah. for a son you know like yeah. these there are and you know, you you know, you talk about Harry Potter and like fate yeah. of the world, but also who's going to, to the, the dance. wizard yeah. dance? Yeah. So, and this definitely does both of those. You know, this is a, you know, half well, half of this like three hour long musical is a family drama. And I think that's what's so powerful with a character like Eliza. She is 
she is the person in this grand nation building who does not have a voice and the places where and and how she uses that like and i think burn where the only thing she has to do to claim her voice is to abdicate it yeah to say that she will not be used to actively remove herself um and then but then at the end she reclaims it and and kind of that, that it is these unheard unseen figures that carry that that carry on a legacy that carry on the narrative that who lives who dies who tells your story right well it's very different um, from say like an abigail adams who feels yeah. like a much more forceful figure yes. who is like challenging or like an angelica yes um i mean one of i mean i didn't talk about the schuyler sisters but i work 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 but one of the great lines is when i meet thomas jefferson i'm gonna compel him to include women in the sequel very true like that's yeah you there are these places in the musical where it touches on the work that is left to do, right? The, where the this great national myth does not include everyone. I mean, I think the way, one of the things we could talk about, and one of the things that I've heard criticized with Hamilton is the way it discusses slavery. Well, well it, it doesn't, and, right? Well, it, it took stuff out. How do you mean? There was... Uh, a cabinet, another cabinet rap battle. Oh, really? Or another song. Just about slavery? About slavery in oh, the wow. original off-Broadway version. Interesting. That did not make it into mm. this already, like, three-hour-long musical. Yes. But, there, but, yeah, they addressed slavery, I think, a lot more directly okay. in its original form. And there I think there were a few other changes. Um, because, yeah, like, you know, they, there's a few moments where it comes up. You know, uh, uh, Lawrence talks about, you know... Well, I mean, apparently Lawrence was legitimately much more... Like, a very, very active abolitionist. Yeah. In the South. Um, and that it was something that Hamilton was against, but he was not as much of an abolitionist as the show makes him out to Well, be. and Aaron Burr was, I think, an yeah. abolitionist as well. Well, but Aaron part Burr of... was apparently also this incredible feminist for the time. Yeah. Which is, like, I mean, the, like, he talks about his mother was a genius in the thing, but uh, the relationship he had with his wife and the relationship he had with his daughter. Oh, yeah. That, um, and just what he did for, like, women's education mm. and, um, yeah. Again, these are complex histories. Indeed. Well, I think, that, I think what it gets at is that people and human beings are complicated, oh, right? Yes. I mean, the show does not present Alexander Hamilton as some unambiguous hero either. Well, And it's it's so funny to hear Miranda talking about him and comparing him to essentially like Kanye or talking about how he had like beefs with everyone in yeah. his day. You know, kind of treating him like this, you know, sort of uh, nouveau riche. Well, that's how, and he talks about how like he, he like, one of the great details is that, uh, Miranda wanted Hamilton to be dressed in money green clothes yeah. in the second act of the play. That just he that he apparently was an ostentatious dresser and he just flaunted what money he had. Well, and it's so funny, you know, watching this or listening to this after he is such an unabashed villain in the John Adams miniseries. Oh, yes. Rufus Sewell, I think. Yeah. Just playing him as the worst, like, essentially, you know, the, yeah. the, the villain of the kind of the second act. Uh well, I mean, Jefferson is pretty bad too. Je- well, Jefferson becomes the main kind of the, the main antagonist at the end. But I feel like there's a there's a segment where it is all about you know it must be nice you know like yeah Washington is essentially a cat's paw of yeah uh, of Hamilton who's trying to you know glob all this power and and uh, authority. So it's it's fun. I like it, and and I I I don't I like both, and I like both, and I like that you can have yeah. these these things that play with narrative right and they play they make us sympathize 
with these characters because they're the people we're watching. But I mean, I think what I think what the the John Adams miniseries speaks to is something that the musical Hamilton speaks to. That in a way, Hamilton died young, and died young without any allies among the remaining founding fathers. So who was left to tell his story? Yeah. Right. Who was left to speak to his legacy and what he did for the country? True. And that, you know, I mean, isn't that a line in the musical of uh, his enemies destroyed his rep America forgot him. Yeah. And so that the, this is what the musical is doing is like saying, here is the story behind this guy that you don't know about except because of a Got Milk commercial and the $10 <laughs> yeah. bill. And now good luck on your AP U.S. history tests. Yes. So that's our... Do we have anything more to say about Hamilton? Oh, probably. I feel like, we, I hit, feel like we, hit, we covered a lot. We, 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 we hit a lot. This is a, a tour de force. Uh, David Diggs is awesome. We're sorry. He, we uh, yeah, we'll just come uh, back and do a David Diggs episode. <laughs> um... Well, because his depiction of Jefferson is great because yeah. you, you love him and yet he's also terrible. Like he is so charming and so fun and yet also just awful. Um, and yeah, the, you know, this is – I know we are very sad because we will not ever see the original cast, you know, production. But uh, we don't have $3,000 <laughs> or, no. or a, a celebrity. I feel like – I feel like if – you know, if people want to like slam Hillary Clinton – as as you know completely beyond like you know uh out of touch with modern you know modern america it should be based on the fact that she has seen hamilton three times she has seen three times well like the second time after like one of her various investigations uh she also <laughs> she just, like went str- like <laughs> clapped her hands and walked in to see hamilton like that's like a that's kind of awesome she also she also tried to lure donations by like, if you make a donation to Hillary Clinton, you get entered into a lottery, like like the Hillary Clinton Hamilton lottery. See, that's clever. That's devious. Yeah. Um, but smart made me sign up for her emails, <laughs> which I hadn't done. What? <laughs> I'm not a puppet. That's awesome. <laughs> I, um, didn't, I didn't give any money. I probably will. I probably will give money before all is said and done. But at this enough. point, I was like, all right. You can send me emails, Hillary. If it, if it makes my chances to see Hamilton from, like, absolute zero to, like, not absolute. Maybe uh, one of our mathematician friends to talk about this. That, but, like, precisely. To, to slightly more than absolute zero, I'm willing to I'm willing to take that hit. Oh, that's so good. Uh, it's going to be like moveon.org again, and you're going to be flooded. Oh, oh, I know. I already. That was already it. Am. That was that was probably still one of my favorite Onion articles. Is oh Obama annoyed deletes another move <laughs> moveon.org email. Um, is moveon.org even still a thing? Because we don't want like we've we did move on. I guess. In fact, we didn't. They lost. <laughs> they failed. We did in two thousand four. We did not, and then we did. Oh, so true. Uh, no, I, Hamilton is. I'm. I'm really fascinated to see what its legacy is. I'm fascinated to see what its legacy is on like musical theater programs, yeah. and how they will try to incorporate hip hop and other sort of yes. uh, non just musical style singing. Uh, and and you know, I'm I'm curious. Like, will there be kind of knock on effects? And are we? You know, do we think we're going to see kind of musicals aping this? I don't know. I mean, was there a bunch of whole bunch of Jesus Christ superstar but I mean, clones I feel like, or Phantom clones? I don't, I don't think so. But I feel like you gotta. It's so much more than what it is, yeah. and there's so many pieces. 
I feel like most producers would have to realize that it's more than just one. It's more than just it's an interesting retelling of the Founding Fathers. It's more than just it's a racially diverse cast. Yeah. It's more than ju- like it's it's all of that with lyrics that are borderline Shakespearean in their beauty, their efficacy, their cleverness. Yeah. It is uh, this musical pastiche. Uh, that is still very much of itself that is still very much of itself and so i just with with just a brilliant cast yeah um so i i don't know how you could just replicate it well hopefully we'll find out in chicago at some point maybe down down the road whenever it starts uh appearing in various places um yeah i'm i'm very interested in what its long-term effects are going to be and also just in how it gets us to think about america and about how we tell our stories. It has made me slightly less depressed to be back living in America. <laughs> the problem is if we try to make a Hamilton musical in Canada, it would be about the Ontario city. And it would just be like, there's a part where you drive by and it looks like Mordor. doop a doop Hamilton. But I'm ching. So, it does. Hamilton does look like Mordor. <laughs> it's just that one stretch where there's <laughs> flames belching into the sky. Besides, I shouldn't say that about like, America is a America is a wonderful country. And I, eh, what Hamilton helps me do is to remember that. Yeah. Well, again, it, what is what is powerful about America is that striving, is that conflict, yeah. is that not just accepting things as they are, you know. And I, th- I guess what I say when I say Hamilton makes me feel good about living in America again, it reminds me that America is more than uh, Tea Party politics or uh, political division or ineffectual Congress. It is that that. Young, Certain scrappy, and people, hungry. Yeah, that that there is more to America, and there are more Americas than represented by Donald Trump. Truth, right? There, there. That 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 Donald Trump does not get to claim what America's greatness is, and I think my problem is I give into that. Mm. I give in to like, okay, that's what that's what you want America to be. Well, I don't want to have any part of that. Um. And it reminds me that I can't let that that there is a greatness to America that is about more than stupid hats. And I need to be a part of making that a reality as an American. And I should be proud to be American for that reason, because it it is it is America that has allowed something as diverse and rich and challenging as Hamilton to exist in the first place. Well, now that you're Canadian, you can think of yourself as an immigrant. And as we all know, immigrants... They get the job done. Bam. Boom. Well, I think that will do it. Uh, hopefully, Amanda Sleep will get better. And we will be able to uh, get back into the swing of things a bit more. Uh, in the meantime, uh, are there anything uh, you want to tell folks about where they can find you online? RevRachelRambles.wordpress.com I will eventually buy the do- domain. And you can uh, find me over at AskLovecraft.com. Uh, I also uh, want to plug uh, my other podcast I do, Miskatonic Musings, where we talk about horror things, except in, I think, one of our upcoming episodes where we talk a lot about Pokemon Go. Excellent. And uh, I also... Our church is a poker spot. Yeah, you've got two spot, two poker spots at do the church. I? Yeah, the church itself and the organ. Oh, okay. Although the church is labeled as a Marriott. Right. So I don't... 
I don't know why it's it is, however, a college building, so I don't really think I can do much in the way of signage outside of it. Oh, you can't just put up giant pokeballs. I don't think I can. Oh, Rachel. I feel like I feel like the college would have something, <laughs> so, especially since our church is like right at the college gates. <laughs> sort of hard to miss. Just giant poke balloons. Yeah, somehow. Not gonna don't work. Don't think I can. Uh, no, no, like big marquees. Uh, you you can go to our website, geekwillyyoke.com, and you will see uh, all the various uh, things we discussed in this show. Uh, if you want to follow us or engage with us, uh, the best way is probably to reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Lehman Kessler. And I'm at Rev Rachel K. Yes, you are. That'll be it from us. Thank you all. I hope you enjoy. Tell us what you think about Hamilton. And uh, if you've never heard of Hamilton, please go listen to it because it's awesome. It's pretty great. Uh, that'll be it it's, from us. Every once in a while, Lehman and I will be listening to Hamilton and we'll go, is this overrated? And then, <laughs> and then we'll get to another song and we're like, oh no, no, nope. it's actually that good. Nope. There's a dove in that freezer. This is not overrated. <laughs> uh, from the world of faith, family, fandom, in no particular order, geek out y'all. a full rainbow all the way double rainbow oh my god double rainbow it's a double rainbow all the way down a double rainbow all the way down oh my god what does it mean it's so bright so vivid double rainbow double rainbow it's so intense Rainbow all the way across the sky Yeah, yeah So intense Double rainbow all the way across the sky Wow, wow, oh my god Look at that rainbow I love to play a lot of games are great You'll find me out all night Maybe for Christmas fun to watch me is a brilliant graphic novel Writing in a month is my magazine with Aphrodite Newmander and I'd like to understand by me with Will Wheaton and River as I go from fire fly me to the moon and we can living on a Pelsodon with Peter Sellers, Stata, Jack, and Social Network sign with two point Oregon Trail. You die of dysentery but help detect down eyes and got him swarms with awesome SE2. Do you see that rainbow? Alright, a cast of the plague, almighty orbit, sword joining together forever, a never ending story. I had a tree YouTube and we researched the line writer was an addicting web toy story with Witty and Buzz Aldrin, but John Lee in the Facebook has me blocking every Apple and PC warfare stupidity. The fool who messed with T Rex is so cool and so our raptors fill up my hard drive space 2001 and blue to noobs to pick on when they type Catch me a rainbow, rainbow. Double rainbow all the way.